Welcome to the Accord Research Alliance podcast, where we talk with innovators who are committed to measuring what matters in Christ-centered relief and development. My name is Kristen Check, Program Evaluation Coordinator at Water Mission and one of the hosts of this podcast. Today, I'm sharing with you the second part of my conversation with Dr. Laura Shannon House, Assistant Professor of Counseling and Psychological Services at Georgia State. So this kind of result clearly shows something is going on here. How one copes with their faith is crucial to long-term mental health. Laura is also a contributing fellow with the Humanitarian Disaster Institute at Wheaton College. On today's podcast, Laura and I discuss her experience researching the role of religious coping uh, with resource loss in disaster contexts. And Laura also shares with us resources and instruments for measuring spirituality, including several instruments she and her team at Wheaton's Humanitarian Disaster Institute have recently developed. I hope you enjoy this second part of our conversation. Okay, so let's move on to spiritual metrics. Um, so when we were together at the research intensive, the CORD uh, research intensive in October, I think you kind of saw a bit how this this field of spiritual metrics seems to be constantly um, maybe a little perplexing for Christ-centered relief and development organizations. And I think as a group, as a whole, I see year, you know, as the years go by, the majority of us are really starting to get our heads around exactly how to measure spirituality, how we want to measure spirituality. And for most of us, this seems to be sort of a in the works process. Um, there's not a lot of people who have come out on the other side quite yet. Uh, and there's a lot of hesitancy, I think, to share with where we're at in, the, in this process because it is such a really amorphous um, realm of, of you know, a subject to actually measure, to put metrics around in a meaningful way. Yeah. So there also seems to be little knowledge about what resources exist to help guide us in this regard. And I know you shared uh, some of that with us at the forum, but I was wondering if, if you could maybe give us an example from maybe one of the studies that you've conducted um, that have had a focus on measuring spirituality and, and what that experience was like for you. Sure. Um, sure, the, it's powerful when you put these spiritual metrics into a, a data set and you compare it with psychological outcomes. We find that uh, spiritual metrics such as religious and spiritual coping moderate um, relationships between disaster-related resource loss and uh, psychological outcomes. So we tend to study in some of the um, disasters that we look at um, psychological outcomes such as depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress, um, things like that. And when we put in religious and spiritual coping, people are coping positively. That buffers the effect of the resource loss that they experience on their psychological outcomes. So it's, it's exciting to us. It's mm -hmm. hopeful to us. It's encouraging uh, to us to see this happen over and over again in different data sets. And I guess I can give you uh, like a specific example um, from one of my studies. I do some work in South Africa and particularly in Botswana. And Botswana is right near the Kalahari Desert. So um, it has a, uh, been in a, a chronic disaster of drought for years. And so um, we collected this data set in the fourth year of the worst drought in Botswana. Um, 
And we found uh, that religious coping behavior had a very powerful effect on psychological health. And so, um, so to see, uh, we tend to see how much a disaster or crisis affects someone personally. And we do that through measuring their resource loss. So there's different kinds of resource loss, uh, sleep, time, money, you know, there's tangible resource loss, there's more intangible. So you may lose, you know, uh, particular resources like your home or, or so on and so forth, or you may lose more intangible resources like your sense of hope or optimism or your, uh, your spiritual beliefs and faith may be kind of um, be- becoming uh, challenged. So, um, and so those have been, you know, with more resource loss, um, we have higher negative psychological outcomes. And what we saw in the Botswana drought survivors is that this expected relationship completely disappeared for those who were expressing positive religious coping. Um, And that aspect of their religiosity completely buffered the resource loss um, onto PTSD symptoms relationship. So if you think like a researcher, it's it's called like a moderation effect. reduced a slope of a 0.4, uh, 0.5 to a a 0. So that's a pretty large effect. Mm -hmm. So this kind of result clearly shows something is going on here. How one copes with their faith is crucial to long-term mental health. That that is really fascinating. And like you said, really powerful to have um, have that kind of study with that that rigorous uh, information. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's the team, and and so that's just one I took lead on. I, you know, there's the team has studied at HDI, I think just about every major disaster that happened this year. So wow. they're they're looking at there's somebody that's taking lead on a Charlottesville study on the Las Vegas shooting. Um, you know, the folks at North Texas, um, Josh Hook and his students are looking at um, the Dallas shooting and. Um, and some measures related to that. We have a Matthew sample. We have longitudinal sample of Baton Rouge. We have a, a Houston sample. They got pre-disaster data off of um, the Irma, uh, Irma hurricane. So there's data they got just four or five days before the hurricane hit, and they'll be following that longitudinally. I'll be in Mexico in about a week to collect an earthquake sample. So it is a synergistic team of scholars that kind of come together around these spiritual metrics and they're finding these kinds of relationships over and over again, and mm-hmm. it's really exciting. And that's what's informing the spiritual first aid intervention. Wow, that's really fascinating. Can you share with us some of the resources or instruments that uh, you've used or you know others have used in these types of studies and what specifically they're measuring? Sure. Um, well, as far as resources, I do want to like give you a website. Um, and so... Uh, the Humanitarian Disaster Institute has, um, you know, tip sheets, um, and there's a disaster ministry handbook. There's a series of op-eds that Jamie and others on the team have written. So if you go to www.wheaton.edu forward slash academics forward slash academic dash centers forward slash humanitarian dash disaster dash institute, that'll get the site. Or you could just Google Humanitarian Disaster Institute and it'll go right there. Um, And there's, um, uh, you can click on research and it goes through all the different countries, Africa, Philippines, you know, you name it. Um, And they, uh, or you can go to the op-ed pieces and Jamie gives, you know, regularly, you know, most recently with the um, 
shooting in the church, I mean, he immediately had an op-ed out. And so about how, uh, you know, how we need to respond. So I think it's unusual for a disaster team to not just stay in their head, but to, as you mentioned, kind of bring this information into a really publicly accessible way. And so these op-eds, you can see like 20 or 30 of them right on the website. Um, and so in terms of spiritual metrics, uh, so it seems like you have, those are two, you know, so as far as resources, I would say, if you're interested in this HDI website, he even has a master's uh, degree now in hu humanitarian leadership. Uh, so you, you can even get an, a graduate degree at HDI. And then as far as the research metrics, um, you know, there's a, a series of scholars that are looking at virtue growth through adversity. So one way to <clears throat> measure spiritual uh, metrics through disasters is through growth and virtue. And some of those virtue scales include the gratitude questionnaire, um, and that's like McCullough Emmons and saying, I don't know if you want me to, do you want me to say all that? Just name the scales? Well, yeah, maybe go ahead and name the scales because what we'll do is we'll just, any any resources you mentioned or websites, I'll put it in the show notes so people can have access to it. Okay, perfect. Um, and then there's, of course, multiple humility scales. So there's relational humility and general humility. Um, and um, I'm not sure if you want me to talk about the factors. I could maybe just name the scales and then go from there. Sure. Yeah. In the interest of time. <laughs> and then open-minded thinking is one. Um, there is relatedness, um, multi-dimensional scale of perceived social support. So social support is critical. Um, and again, faith-based communities provide this. Uh, so there's actually a scale that measures social support. There's a close relationships or experience of close relationship scale. There's the meaning in life questionnaire, which measures like meaning presence and search for meaning and meaning presence has been found, you know, to be more correlated with positive psychological outcomes. Uh, there is uh, compassionate love for close others scale. There is um, the identification with all humanity scale. Um, there is pro-social behavior uh, or altruism. There's multiple scales. Um, one that I recommend is Kebrara and colleagues, 2005, um, pro-social behavior. There's multiple spirituality scales. Worthington has a great spirituality scale. So there's general spirituality, there's spiritual well-being, there's um, different forms of, 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 uh, of um, religiosity as well. There's an empathy scale. Um, that's, that's a good one to use. Um, and of course, we, we like to use resource loss as a independent variable. So some of those are some of the scales that exist that you can put into your, um, into your research studies. Wow, that's fantastic. That's a, that's a great list of resources. So we'll definitely go ahead and um, link to those in the show notes for this podcast. So also, Lauren, some of our conversations, you had mentioned that your team at HDI has also developed some new measures, uh, the spiritual fortitude and the survivor guilt that have directly come out of uh, research with disaster-impacted populations. I know you'd mentioned that currently those, those measures are in the peer review process, but is there anything that you can share with us about those tools at this point? Sure. Um, with survivor guilt, th those are really touching conversations um, that we've had, uh, particularly like e examples include in, in Baton Rouge and some of the spiritual first aid trainings that we gave 
having people express to us uh, using words like minnow guilt or dry house guilt. And so um, you could see even unique to the flood there in Baton Rouge, there was a discussion of survivor guilt and people feeling, um, you know, one house being hit uh, with a flood and then just next door not being flooded. And so people questioning, how did I get spared this and feeling guilty as a result of it? And, and there not being such a construct like that to measure that. And then more recently um, with Houston, we saw something very similar in dialoguing with community members and responding and providing trainings. We again see this um, feeling of like, how, how did so-and-so lose their house, but I didn't. And, um, and so that's where that scale kind of originated and is, is being worked on. And then spiritual fortitude. Um, so this is an interesting, um, you know, this is, this is really Jamie and Daryl Van Todren's work. Um, and there's a team of us where we're on the paper together. Um, so the psychological market's pretty saturated with constructs such as resilience, perseverance, and grit. Um, but there's some limitations to those constructs, like resilience, for instance, is argued to be a psychological resource enabling one to kind of bounce back or adapt from hardship. So um, so it kind of, uh, if you think about somebody who might have cancer or somebody who might have a life-limiting illness, how do you bounce back if you're terminal? You know, so this construct doesn't always hold up, like how you how you bounce back uh, kind of suggests that that's the only way for you to be successful with this. But can you be well? Can you grow? Can you thrive even in the face of adversity? So um, it kind of delineates who succeeds from who fails. I know that the authors of that scale probably don't intend it to be that way, but it's also, it's got that limitation. So we have found through our work that especially those who um, are, are positively coping with their faith, um, that there is this uh, other construct, and we've, we've called it spiritual fortitude. So it's it's a, a character virtue enabling people to endure and make redemptive meaning from adversity. So spiritual fortitude is conceptualized as a process of facing adversity in which one intentionally engages redemptive narratives and the sacred in order to metabolize the difficulty of suffering and loss. So although new to study and counseling and psychology, um, world religions and non-religious traditions have long promoted fortitude as a virtue of adversity. So it, it doesn't imply conquering adversity or returning to a state of previous functioning, um, nor is it simply like enduring or surviving. It's really about leaning into suffering and undertaking virtuous action. And it has three factors. And uh, this is really exciting what Daryl found. And I can just name the people involved. Daryl. Van Todren, Jamie Ayton, Stacey McElroy, Donnie Davis. Um, I'm, I worked on it too, um, along with um, Edward Davis and Josh Hook. And so what uh, Daryl found is that when they put spiritual fortitude in, it predicted over and above resilience and these other forms onto the psychological outcomes. And so it has uh, really three components, withstanding adversity, calling upon the sacred, and finding meaning. Wow, that's really interesting. And it sounds like with these um, with these measures that you're going to be able to fill, fill some gaps, basically, within the discipline. And, and the fact that this is coming out of, um, you know, the research that you've done 
it really just lends a lot of validity. So I, I, I speak, you know, I, I can speak. I'm going to speak for <laughs> the rest <laughs> of our group and saying that I think this will be really fascinating once these are um, published and available. Yeah, thanks so much for asking about it. Yeah, no, that's great. It's interesting to, you know, hear what what you're working on for sure. So thank you so much, Laura, for your time today. I know, as I mentioned, our audience is going to be very interested in learning more about these subjects. So can you tell us um, where we can find you online to learn more? Oh, sure. Um, I You can find me through Georgia State, um, uh, and or you can just email me, um, L. Shannon House, just like it sounds, S-H-A-N-N-O-N-H-O-U-C at gsu.edu, georgiastateuniversity.edu. Feel free to email me. I'm happy to answer any questions, try and provide, um, you know, support, and, and also, um, uh, yeah, just help out in any way I can. So thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you, Laura, for your time and sharing all of this with us today and for just being a contributing member of this network. I certainly appreciate it. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already and email us at ARA at AccordNetwork.org to send ideas about who we should talk to next or any other suggestions you have on what you would like us to unpack on this podcast. Until next time.